Welcome to the Horse Health Podcast with nutrition news from agapenaturals.com. In each episode, we bring you advice and strategies from our team of horse owners from across Colorado. Keep horses healthy, performing well, and looking great. For additional feeding tips, visit us online at agapenaturals.com. I'm Heidi Malacco. I'm here with Katrina Wright, and today we are going to talk about her experiences and all that she's done with her rescue animals, but especially focusing on how to help an underweight rescue horse. So, Katrina, thank you so much for chatting with us today. Of course. Thanks for having me. Well, we have seen through following you on social media, you're great at posting all the status and what you're doing of what you have done to help some of these minis and and horses. Um, So tell me a little bit about what you do if a horse comes to you and is really underweight. What is the first thing that you do? Just like people, they all respond to um, the feeds a little bit different. So I kind of have to figure out what they are in the most need of right off the bat. And normally you can tell by the hoof condition, the hair, the coat, all of that, what they can, they desperately need right off the bat. So I normally go to the mineral topper. That's um, the Equipride you're talking about? Yeah. So we just go and figure out how much weight they need to either put on or lose. Um, most cases, we're trying to put on quite a bit of weight. I have one okay. that we rescued earlier this year, and he has given me a run for my money trying to put weight on oh, him. No. He's a hard keeper. He came from Houston. He came right in the middle of Colorado winter. I'm pretty sure he hates us all for bringing him from the nice, <laughs> warm Houston to here. Um, but he, I could not figure out how to get weight on him. I was doing alfalfa um, pellets. I was doing beet pulp, and I was doing senior equine through um, Modesto Mills, and I could not get weight on him. It was like banging my head on a wall. Well, little did I know that he thinks he's a draft horse, and so the amount that we were normally feeding a mini was just not enough for him. He was shivering too much trying to stay warm that we ended up feeding him like a draft horse. Um, and with all these products, it ended up, we just needed to boost the amount we were giving him, and he's put on 75 pounds in two months. That's awesome. Now, like a horse like him coming from Houston, how did you get him? What was the story behind that that you were able to rescue him? Um, We worked closely with a few other rescues. He actually came um, through Denver Dumb Friends League. They rescued a bunch of them. And um, him and his sister were left at the rescue. They were adopted out. The lady had way too much on her hands, and so they were brought back to the rescue. So we stepped in and helped Denver Dumb Friends League out and brought them here as permanent companions here at the farm just for love. And he was doing good, and then with the cold weather that came, it was not. Just makes it hard, especially if he wasn't used to it probably. Now, have you found and, with horses that are underweight, do you have to start out kind of slow just to not shock their system with a lot of feed? Because I'm sure, especially with a mini, you kind of have to balance what they need to put on weight with overfeeding and risking a founder, right? Yeah, so um, 
We try to feed products. This is why we just love agape with very, very low sugar, low starch. Right. The more we say we don't like to feed sweet tarts here. We're here <laughs> to put on healthy weight. We're not here to put on sweet tart weight. Um, right. So you kind of like work your way up. We provide um, an endless amount of hay. That's our biggest thing. It's very rare that any horse colics just for eating hay. Um, the more the gut's moving, the better it is. So we start more mm-hmm. with like the alfalfa pellet, the Bermuda hay pellet. We start more, there's a lot of it. It's all soaked, so it expands. They're not going to choke on it. But we start with something that they already have in their diet, hay. I mean, that's what they need to live. And from there, we add in, okay, we need some Modesto Mills senior equine, so we put that in. And we just start upping it and upping it and upping it until we see that their body is actually putting on the weight that we want. Their coat gets shiny. Their um, hooves start to um, smooth out. A lot of the time with our rescue animals, you pick up a hoof, and it looks like a mountain on the hoof. And it's because Mm -hmm. they haven't had consistent feed. Um, So you start to see that growth come in, and it's smooth, and you know that what you're doing is right. And consistent. And and so I have a a small pony here, and we had a a mechanical founder two, two winters ago now. He had just the farrier that we were using let him grow too long and just rotated up and and he was getting trimmed and doing all the right things. But at that point, I actually talked to the nutritionist at Sweet Pro Equipride and for feeding him the top dressing of the Equipride. Like you said, it's all low sugar, low stress, low not low stress, low sugar, low starch. And it fit within the veterinarian's guidelines of what he could have while going through that. So, so that was really interesting to hear and to see all those numbers match up with the, what the veterinarian was requesting that he stay under for his condition at the time. So that's, that's a great part of, I think, the Equipride program especially. And it's amazing. It's like once you hit that perfect balance, you don't even have to, like, wait to see the results. It's almost like they look at you and tell you. Like, they look up at you and they're like, this is perfect. Thanks. I'm happy. Yes. <laughs> That's a good thing. Now, just to clarify what you said, I love the idea that they have access to hay, but you're talking about they have real hay from a bale, and then you're putting additional to get extra nutrients using the hay pellets on top of feeding real forage full hay, correct? Yeah, so um, your Bermuda, the Bermuda hay pellets and the alfalfa are just that extra. Okay, that bale of hay is there. I'm tired of that. So we start to, like, add that extra nutrients um, in grain form. It's not a grain. It's a pellet. But we start there, and that's where we can start adding um, our healthy coat, our mineral topper, our senior equine, that's like our base. If it doesn't have the hay pellet in it, um, then we normally, that's our base. That's our foundation. That's where we start, and then we add in everything else. 
And do you find with feeding a healthy coat, because that's an oil that goes over food, does that feeding that over the hay pellet make that palatable and make the horses want to munch that down a little bit easier? Yeah, for sure. We, um, we first, we have a big bucket. It's a five gallon bucket. And that's where we put all of our um, hay pellet to soak. And that's a week's worth okay. for us. And so once it's soaked, we scoop out what we need, and then we soak it again in the proper amount of healthy coat before oh, we cool. feed it. So pretty much the hay pellets infused with healthy coat before they even get it. Great. And do you find that the underweight horses really like that flavor-wise? Is that a good attractant? Yeah. Yeah, They most of these minis that we get, to have weight put on, they've been given, like, molasses, molasses mm. like, senior equine that has been soaked in molasses. And for them to get that where they don't have the sugar, sometimes they turn up their nose. And so that right. healthy coat gives them that really feeling in their mouth like molasses does, but it's healthier. And I, I find that they like it just as much as molasses. That's good. And molasses really is a sugar. So with some of these minis, like we were talking about, the the fine line between needing to put weight on and their risk for, for founder more, that, that's a good switch to do for sure. Yes. Uh, we don't feed sweet tarts. There's no need to feed sweet tarts. If we're going to put on weight, we're going to do healthy weight. We're not going to sugar them up and throw them out in the field. And how long, you said this guy was extra hard to work with, especially with the winter and the timing you got him, but in general, how long do you see that it takes for a horse that's underweight to get back to a weight that's desirable? Um, each horse is different. I mean, each person's different. Each horse is different. Um I have lazy horses that are going to stand in the field all day and not do anything, and they pack on the pound right. so much quicker. <laughs> and then I have a little leopard Appaloosa that you open up that gate, and she's going to run all day because that's what makes her happy. So, I right. mean, you know, anywhere from – I almost always see a turnaround in a month, whether it's 10 pounds, 15 pounds. I always see that turnaround in the month, the mane shiny, the feet are coming back. But normally, I say that my turnaround is three to six months to get them perfect again. Um, and that that's not just feed. That's not just weight. That's their feet, their mane, their personality, their allergies are under check. All of this, three to six months, you have a horse that you wouldn't even recognize when you first started. That's great. And that's over what probably happened to them or how long they weren't fed. That's really not that long of a time to, to make up for that. No, and it's, and we try not to let them sit. We try to make their main job feeling better. And then once their main job of feeling better is complete, then we start putting the attitudes in check and all of that. So our foundation is the feed, and then from there it's the training and all of that. So by six months' time, it's a completely different animal. And do you have a certain time that they're just there, they know they're safe and happy? Do you kind of use that one month time to just let them know they're in a new 
consistent place, or what's your time frame before you start actual training? Um, I try to get them to a very healthy point before we start training. Um, just like any other animal, food is the way to their heart. And so if we have a very skittish animal, um, we try not to put a halter or lead or any of that on them um, for at least a month. And the only exception to that is medical work that has to be done. Mm -hmm. um, but it's that routine. Okay, this person brings me food in the morning, and she brings me food in the evening, and she pets me when she feeds me, and she's not going to kill me. And then right. from there we can be okay, she put a halter on me today, but she gave me food afterwards, so we're good. And then that we just start, okay, she's not draining me in the pasture anymore. She's actually taking me out, and I have to go eat by the horse trailer. And so we use the food as a good training tool because it's always consistent. Now, tell me, with these undernourished horses, compared to maybe a horse that's, that's overweight or that's been abused or that comes in and looks okay, but there's more of a you know, just neglect on the interaction side. Do you see that an undernourished horse comes back mentally a little bit faster? I've heard in the past, the reason I'm bringing this up is that I've heard in the past that that people say horses will come back from not being fed as long as they weren't abused much easier than some of the other things that could have happened in the past. Do you find that true? I find that very, very true. Um, your horses that haven't had their basic rights to life, they haven't had shelter, the food's been lacking, we only know how long they've been without water. As soon as you give them their basic rights and they feel safe, they bounce back so much quicker. I mean, it's just insane how quick they bounce back once they have the constant things they need. That's, that's great. I mean, you hate that that's happened to them, but of all the things out there that people do to animals that we wish they wouldn't, it's good to hear that there is a a faster turnaround or that there's a good prognosis for those horses. We never have had a horse, knock on wood, that has not turned around to a point where they could at least be handled um, and either be a permanent Peachy Farms member or that hasn't been able to be adopted out. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer. I have a mini mule on the property that has given me a run for my money. Um, mm -hmm. But once they know that they're safe and you have that basic foundation in the trust, they'll, they turn around pretty easily. That's great. Well, Katrina, can you think of any other important notes that are on your mind about horses that are underweight? My biggest thing is don't rush it. Each horse is a little bit different. They're all going to accept it a little bit differently. Um, it's not worth making a horse founder or overloading them with grain to pack on the pounds super fast. Work at their speed, not yours. That makes a lot of sense. And I love your focus on looking for products that are low sugar I love that idea of no sweet tarts. Or I think I think what popped into my mind was like a pop tart, a kid eating a pop tart every morning before school, but loading them up with sugar and then expecting them to do a good job versus finding the good things that are going to sustain them through their day and through their recovery. 
I mean, you're a mom, you get it. You're never going to send your kid to school with just a bag of candy for food because you know they're going <laughs> to eat it all and they're going to spike and then they're going to drop and have the worst attitude ever when they come home. So right. <laughs> it's the same concept with the livestock. Tell me a little bit about um, the overweight horses that come to you. Is this a pretty predominant problem you have when you take in a rescue? I either get one end of the spectrum or the other. It's very rare that I get like a perfect weight horse. I either have these walking skeletons or we call them hippos. It's I never <laughs> have one or the other. It's like I have fat horses or I have skin and bones. Why do you think horses come to you overweight? I think it's mostly because when we work with horses or equines, we work with minis. And a lot of these people um, purchase a mini or get a mini to be a company animal for their horse. A lot of the time you see these high-performance horses. Um, I'm going to use a great um, barrel racer. She has a miniature horse that goes with her performance horse all the time. And you're seeing this more and more and more. And she is the exception to this. But normally, whatever your performance horse eats, your mini is eating. Okay, your barrel horse is running these amazing things, and your mini sitting in the stall doing nothing. So why mm-hmm. are you feeding them the same amount? They're about half the size, if not smaller. And I think people forget that. They don't need as much food. They aren't performance animals most of the time. Why are we feeding them like a performance barrel horse when they're a pasture pet sitting in the stall. Mm -hmm. Don't you think that some of that has to do with people who get a horse as a, or a miniature as a companion horse and then they're just out together. So they aren't maybe dividing them to eat or thinking about a separate plan. It's just a free for all. Everybody's getting the same thing. Pretty much. And, um, which is fine. In the hay case, I, I personally offer all-you-can-eat hay, which is great. But we did a rescue um, last month. We showed up. All of these miniature horses, there were 14 in a pen. They were all foundered. They were all overweight. Mm. They all had, like, no muscle mass. And we look over, and they have all-they-can-eat alfalfa. Ooh. And I get alfalfa is cheaper than hay right now because we had a great year for alfalfa. But it doesn't mean you need to feed them all they can eat. If that's what you can afford, go for it. But remember they're mini and they're little and they should be getting just a very little bit to be feeding, not all you can eat. You have these hot minis that are foundering, that are fat. They have no muscle mass because... They're just so hot that they're just sitting there shaking. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's how we get a lot of our overweight minis. And then to bring them back, it's almost like um, an opioid in a way. It's you have to work them off their alfalfa or else they just lose it. They colic. They don't want to eat. And so you're doing it where, okay, you were on all-you-can-eat alfalfa. I'm going to put you in a pan with all-you-can-eat grass, but I'm still going to have to offer you alfalfa because 
your body's used to that. And so you have to wean them off the alfalfa to even start trying to get them to lose weight and to get their fat, their feet back in check. And it's just mm-hmm. amazing to me why you think you need to feed a 200, 300-pound mini what you're feeding a 1,500-pound performance <laughs> horse. It just hurts my head. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Now, let me go back and revisit. You talk about free choice hay, and if people go on and Google that, there's a lot of research about free choice hay and offering that and that horses will get to the point that they balance that, they're not eating it all the time. Do you find that with some of these, especially overweight horses, you can't offer free choice hay all the time? Are they Would they take too much of it at first? Do you have to regulate that and then work up to your free choice? Or what do you do about that? It kind of depends on where they came from. So if they came from a facility, these are more my um, underweight horses, But if they haven't seen food in days, I can't throw them out in the pasture and be like, here, you have a thousand pounds of hay, enjoy it. I have to work (laughs) that. Yeah, I have to work to that point. But with these minis that we rescued, they were on free choice alfalfa already, so they knew how to regulate what they needed. And so that wasn't a hard transition. The hard transition was they didn't want to eat the grass because it was grass. Do you test your hay? I know it's there are some people, especially with minis, that they want to make sure they're getting hay with a certain level to avoid that founder laminitis. Is that something that you've checked into? Um, it depends on what horses we have when we buy hay. I buy hay from the same farm every year. I've had it tested a couple times. Um, but for the most part, I know that it's safe for our horses. The only exception to that is when um, every now and again I have a pin of just insulin-resistant horses. Um, Mm -hmm. And when it comes to that, their hay is tested. And it's just because I don't need to be feeding sweet tarts to these insulin-resistant horses that we're already struggling with. That's so interesting of the different numbers that can come in on hay. And what I've found is that it can even be the same field, but whether they cut it in the morning or at night or if it rained the day before can totally change some of those numbers. So just just as a, a thought, and people can, like I said, get out there and, and get in, delve into these rabbit holes of hay testing and all the different nutritional values of different hay, but it might not even be just the type it is, but when it was cut, how it was handled, and all of those parts that go into it, too. Yeah, and it's amazing if it rained two days before and the, the ground didn't dry out. I mean, the sugar can be insane in it. And another good thing that we can do um, – Ask your farmer, if, you're, if you buy your hay from the same farmer, ask him. Pick his brain. He knows when he cut it. He knows when he bales it. He knows how long he let it dry before he bailed it. And mm-hmm. if they're familiar with IR horses, insulin-resistant horses, um, and you, you tell him that, he's going he's gonna to know his hay. He's the one that's babied it. He's the one that grows it. Um, I have a couple clients where I, their horses are so insulin resistant and so t- testy 
that when we get new hay in and we're waiting for testing, they eat hay pellet. That is all they eat. That's all we trust them with because just a little bit of change or a little too high a sugar, um, it can ruin them. I mean, we can founder, we can colic, we can have all of this. And that's when these hay pellets really come in handy. It's tested. You know what's in it. It's on the label on the bag already. And it's very easy to, that's always a go-to if I am really concerned about an insulin-resistant horse. That's great. And I know that Agape, when it sells the hay pellets, all that is tested from the manufacturer. That's why they do that. And they actually offer those compressed bales, too, that are pre-tested. It's the exact same hay that before they would make a pellet out of it. So if you do have a horse, you you know, even just need a few bales of or to travel with or something like that, that could be a good option in the meantime if you know that you need to keep a horse on something that's specific and tested. Um, I was going to say also I learned about this a little bit this last year and actually ran several bales of hay up to the hay testing office in Greeley, Colorado. And, and it's super interesting. They will actually um, lend you or you can rent it, I think, the hay probe. So if you have a farmer you've worked with and they don't know the exact numbers on it, you can take the probe, fill up these baggies, and either drive it or send it up there and get the report on it if it's something you really need to pay attention to. And it's amazing. I think that everybody should test their hay because it is so interesting. You'll break it down. It really is amazing. Um, And it can explain a lot of things that's going on with your horses. Some numbers that actually are lower with alfalfa, but it's all depending on what your horse needs and, and what they need to get. So, so what else? So tell me about, give me a story about an overweight horse that came in and what did you do with them first? What, what did you make sure they got as far as supplements? Tell me, take me through the whole feeding change strategy that you did with one of your overweight horses. We rescued a stud, little cute paint stud, from a farm that we were kind of like, they were a middleman. They rescued it from the feedlot. They had it. And then we helped them and took some of them off. Well, he was feeding straight alfalfa because he was trying to get weight on him. Um, So when we got him back to the farm, he was hot. He was just shaking because he, he was full of sweet tarts. And that's my favorite saying is these horses should not be on sweet tarts, meaning the sugar horses are not built to take that much sugar um it's like feeding a kid a bunch of sugar it just doesn't work in your favor and so we have to tone them down so we start throwing hay in um that's our first go-to and then from there we provide them one or the other depending on how many horses we have in a pen in this case we had three so we provided an equilix um 50 pound tub no garlic, just a basic Equilix tub. Their coats were gross. Um, they were trying to shed. Their feet were in horrible condition. Our first thing is, here's some mineral. Let's let's start mm-hmm. here. So there are a couple different versions of the Equilix, and uh, we just yeah. looked this up with the company. So the Equilix Max actually has some added um, salt and is kind of made so that they will take what they need but isn't maybe as flavorable. But that the regular Equilix tub 
there are some horses that will just gnaw it down and think it's it's delicious. We have to add in that alfalfa somewhere because they're they're hooked to it, they're attached to it, they they it's like a drug. They need it. And so that's when we reach for our um alfalfa pellet. This mm-hmm. is something that okay. I can control. I know the sugars in it and I soak it. And then I w- rinse it out, and then I give it to them. And that's how we wean them off the alfalfa, because okay. by the first week, we give them the alfalfa pellet. The second week, it's half alfalfa pellet, half Bermuda grass pellet. And then mm-hmm. soon, we're trying to get them completely off the alfalfa. And... um a big thing that I've noticed is if you just rip them off what they know, it causes some serious issues. Their body starts to mm-hmm. malfunction. And I mean that in, like, the slightest ways. They they shake a little bit more. They may not want to do the grass. Um, they're looking for stuff that they can't necessarily find, like nutrients right. because they're so much to the sugar. Um, from there, we try to get them completely off the grain and just feed the grass and the mineral tubs. And this is great because now they're on what they need to be on. They have their mineral, so it's helping the founder, it's helping the digestive system, but they have their hay. In the first week that they are with us, um, the stud had hooves that came they're called slipper toes, where they come up and right. they look like a slipper because they're so overgrown. And so I spent four and a half hours one day cutting. I'm a certified farrier. Um, so I'm working on their feet to try to bring them back. I'm trying to um, correct the hooves as much as I can without laming them, without... Um, making them where they're walking on their bruise because they've been walking on their toes. And so they're not walking on their heels and evenly surfaced. They're walking on their toes or their heels. And so we're trying to make sure that they have the most comfortable position where they're not walking on a bruise. They're not hurting. And this takes time. And so the first day we do a major reconstruction. So as far as we can go without hitting bruising. And then we wait two weeks, and then we do a basic farrier treatment. And by then, we can always already see the growth that is happening and see if they're getting what they need. And normally you have it's a mountain on their hoof, so a big rivet from where they went from alfalfa to um, grass. And that's why we have to slowly take away the alfalfa so you don't have this giant bump um, on right, their hook there. because overloaded with um, sugars and proteins and all of that to going down to what they need. And I think that's so fascinating that you can tell the whole history of that horse what is it, for the last couple of years, right? But it depends on how fast they grow, I guess, by what their hoof looks like. And it's like the layers of a tree and whether it had water or not that year, but but if they had too much or they had a fever and you can read all of that in that external hoof wall, right? Yeah, and it's very apparent even 
even someone without a trained eye can tell. In that transition time, they have the Equilix, which has lots of prebiotics, probiotics, and is going to help the digestive system. Do you ever use the Equipride Gold as an extra digestive enhancer when you're changing feeds? Sometimes I do. Normally the Equipride Gold, I have probably half a case in my truck right now. Before I even load them in the trailer from a rescue situation, they have gold in their system. Um, And that's normally just because a lot of these rescues we've ended up having to catch and they're stressed and they're not really friendly. So how we catch them, whether it's cornering or having to rope them or who knows what we had to do to get them out of that situation. Right. Immediately. And most of our rescues we do are anywhere from two to six hours away. So now I'm throwing a very stressed animal into a tin can, the horse trailer, and who knows the last time they were in there, who knows the last time what their experience was. I mean, this poor stud came from a feedlot in Kansas. You know the last time he was in the trailer, it was not a good situation. So he's right. stressed about being in the trailer. He's stressed about being caught. He's stressed because he was taken away from his friends. I mean, he has his, three of them in the trailer with him, but what happens if his best bud was there? So as mm-hmm. soon as they hit the trailer or as soon as we get them on a lead rope, we're trying to push Equipride Gold into them. It helps them. It has the electrolytes. It helps with stress. It has the digestive aid. And then most of the time after I do that, within 30 minutes, they will want to drink some water. And if I can get a stressed horse to drink water, like, 30 minutes down the road, that is just an amazing feeling because you know that, okay, they're still in a critical pending situation, but they're drinking and they're wanting to eat. And that and is something's going to move right. through and keep things moving along. Yeah. Good. Well, I, just, I wondered on that and the fact that you have the Equilix tubs out provides a lot of that same nutrient, but – in a time of feed change, I know that's one thing that Sweet Pro advises that anytime you're changing feeds, that those tubes can be an extra bonus to help them transition and, and keep the good stuff in their gut as everything else might be changing. And, and that's one of the reasons that you don't want to change feed too quickly is that their guts are set up to digest certain, certain nutrients that they're getting, like from the alfalfa. And then to switch and that not be there, it takes that a little bit of time to, to heal and to have the the nutrients and the, the microbes and all the things that it needs in there to, to process and digest the new food source. Yeah, and the biggest thing for us is that they're healthy and they're happy. And because of the Equilix and the Equipride products, I have never, knocking on wood, had a colic after a rescue, whether that's stress colic, feed colic, any of that. I've never had a colic, and I swear by these products because of that. Before we did this, I felt like every equine rescue I brought in, I might as well just call the vet on my way home and be like, Aww. we're going to have a colic wow. tonight, just so you know. And so it's amazing knowing that, okay, here's your mineral, here's your hay for the night. I'm going to put you in a pen. You need to chill. But it's reassuring that when I go inside at night and lay my head down on the pillow, in between those four-hour increments that I go and check on them, that 
we're not going to have a colic, or it's a very low risk that we're going to have a colic. That's awesome to hear. And the fact that you have the before story before you started using the Equipride and after, that's, that's huge. It's just it's a knowing that they're getting what they need as far as minerals, as far as digestive aid, it just kind of gives you that, that peace of mind. That's, that's good. So, so how long, we're talking about these overweight horses, and we've heard all the other problems and their feet problems and, and other, just being overweight can cause a lot of extra stress on the body. How long do you see that it takes from the time you get in a horse that's overweight until he's kind of back to normal? I know this can change from every horse, but kind of back to a good mode where you could do something else with him. I normally see almost a complete turnaround in three to four months. And that's, I I think that's pushing it. I think I can call it completely where they need to be in two to three months. But I'd like to give that extra month buffer just because by then their feet look good, their coats look good, their digestive system is back to a new state where they're not looking mm-hmm. for food constantly. And so by two to three months, I would say it's pretty it, it's pretty close to being done. By four, they're solid. They're ready to be adopted out. They're ready to go in any direction that I need them to go. Well, that's, that's great news. And, and all of the many horses I imagine you've seen that come in overweight, especially the minis, it just seems so easy to get a mini overweight really easily. <laughs> I feel like you can just snap your fingers and they're overweight. And now let's talk a little bit about getting them active again, too. I'm sure if they really have some laminitis or some other hoof problems, you have to go a little more gingerly. But but even then, do you find that getting them moving is going to help that that hoof movement somewhat once they're not in absolute pain? Yeah, once we get their feet in pretty decent condition and once I know that it doesn't hurt them to walk, um, they're put out in what we call the general population pasture. And it's about a quarter of an acre. It's not very big, but it gives them enough room to run and play. Um, And they're out there four to five hours a day. And that's enough where the horses are just messing around. I scatter. If I know they're going out there that morning, I don't put hay in their pen. I put it in piles out there where they really have to, like, walk and work for it. Mm -hmm. And then about halfway through the day, about halfway through the day when um, I'm out there doing chores, sometimes I'll go out there and I'll play with them. I have a couple that like to play tag. And if you, like, go up and touch them, they'll take off running. And I feel like the whole herd starts to play tag. And it's like, okay, I touched you, and now you're all running. Cool, awesome. I'm going to go back to doing what I'm doing now. Well, I think that's a lot of good tips. Can you think of anything we missed talking about overweight horses that you want to add in here? I think that's it. I mean, you're just going to have to work at their pace and find what works best with the horse you have. Yep, and no sudden changes. And I like all your your slow and steady wins the race. It's just like humans. You don't want to go on a starvation diet just because you gained a few pounds over Christmas or something. You're going to have to do it the right way if it's going to be healthy and and do all the right things as you're headed towards the goal. For sure. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for your 
help and all of your insights because we know you've had to do this many times and we just hope your advice will help get some other people and their horses on the right track too. Thanks so much for listening. Please note that all interviews include the personal opinions of our guests. For more feeding information, please visit agapenaturals.com. And as always, consult your veterinary professional to find out more about your horse's needs.